Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am so uh, pumped up and wired up to be here today and excited to tell you about today's show. We're going to be talking about dyslexia. Let's go over the myths, the misconceptions, and the realities with my guest today, Dr. Chelsea Johnson. What is dyslexia? How does it how does it affect you or your children? How do you work around it? We're going to get to these questions and more in just a moment. If you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking about why women think it's their duty to make other men fancy them. Why does she flirt with other men if she's married? What's the real reason why she's flirting? That's what we got into last week. So if you happen to have missed it, so easy to find my old shows, my archive shows, all you have to do is go to Google SoundCloud, the Men's Advocate Show, Google SoundCloud, the Men's Advocate Show, and you can listen to this show or any and all of my archive shows. We are also on the TuneIn app. You can listen to the archive shows there as well. So let's hop into today's topic. I hope we're uh, trying to recover uh, from our historic election yesterday. Boy, what a roller coaster ride it was. I hope that the country can come together at this point, and I ho- hope the new administration will weed out some of the corruption that has been so prevalent uh, in, in government. I hope we can get rid of some of the corruption and baggage that we've been carrying ar- around and uh, has really been weighing down our country. So, um, okay, so let's get to it. We're talking about dyslexia. All right, um, the reason why I want to do this topic is because I myself have a very mild version of dyslexia. Dyslexia, it turns out, um, has possibly about 30 symptoms. I probably have maybe three or four out of the 30 symptoms. Uh, the one that I kind of slow down a little bit when I'm reading is with numbers. I have a, I have a tendency to sometimes transpose numbers. Um, my daughter, on the other hand, she, during her school years, she had a very severe case of it and had almost all of the 30 symptoms. Uh, um, the really crazy thing is, I, I read a, a while ago that um, sometimes, sometimes when the child uh, turns the age of 14, some of the dyslexia symptoms go away, and that absolutely was the case for her. It took a little more than age 14, but by the end of her 14 years, um, you know, those 24, 25, 26 symptoms that she had very severely really did lessen. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that and other topics with my guest today, Dr. Chelsea Johnson. So let me um, say a little bit uh, about her. She is, well, before I get into that, let me say a little bit about what dyslexia is in case you've not heard of it or are not familiar with the topic. It's a syndrome of multiple varied reading and non-reading symptoms affecting over 40 million American children and adults. Many with dyslexia and related learning and attention disorders realize quite early that they are not like their peers. Their learning and coordination or klutzy difficulties often lead to impaired self-esteem, ridicule, uh, being bullied, and even being the bully. They often feel dumb, depressed, isolated. As a result, one can sadly wonder just how many gifted and creative dyslexics have been blocked from fulfilling their genetic destinies and potential. All too often, learning disabled children grow up to be underemployed adults, shunted into routine, um, having dead-end occupations for life. Some have difficulties maintaining families and raising children properly, many drift into drugs and alcohol and even crime. Their loss and cost to society is and tragically, this staggering loss was and is preventable. So let me introduce to you our guest today. She is born and raised and educated in Nebraska, go Huskers, then relocated to Kansas City in 2000 for residency where she met her forever man, Timothy Johnson. They have five gifted children, four boys and a girl spanning from ages 6 to 20 years old, and two of them 
them are dyslexic and are dysgraphic. Currently, Dr. Johnson works full-time in pediatric emergency in the pediatric emergency she homeschooled three of her youngest children, two of whom, the boys, are dyslexic. She serves as the advanced, advancement chair for Boy Scout Troop 395 and is a member of the Missouri Dyslexia Task Force, Decoding Dyslexia, and the International Dyslexia Association. Welcome, Dr. Johnson, to our program. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. Awesome. All right. So uh, let's get into uh, your story. How did you get involved with the dyslexia organizations? And uh, how did you know that, uh, you know, one or two of your children were afflicted by uh, such, you know, such such a, a situation? Um, I will say that as a pediatrician, I was uh, kind of knocked sideways when we finally got a diagnosis. Uh, my husband and I are both pediatricians, and it took several years and multiple assessments on our now 12-year-old son uh, before we finally got an accurate diagnosis of dyslexia when he started having issues in, in his private school, um, probably starting as early as first grade, and uh, just a lot of pushback about doing homework and and reading uh, and um, just uh, could not put our finger on what the problem was until three years and three evaluations later we finally realized that this was dyslexia and got the diagnosis and then um, got on this journey to say this shouldn't be this difficult um, once you know what you're looking for you can see what's going on and I hope to educate uh, as many people as possible about uh, this wonderful uh, neurodiversity that so much of our population has so that they are supported and get the opportunities that they need. I'm so glad that you're fighting the cause. Uh, By the way, Dr. Johnson is representing us from the state of Missouri. In the state of California, there are such uh, testing laws that every parent has access to. Uh, With my daughter, um, it didn't become apparent, the learning disabilities and the fighting with homework didn't become apparent until early second grade, and so I uh, asked the principal if I could take uh, take use of these, you know, the, the tests that are available to all of us, and they kept fighting me and fighting me and fighting me, hoping that I would just go away, and after four long years, by the way, it's against the law to, to deny the parent those tests but after four long years they finally succumbed to doing the testing and of course she was dyslexic Um, and finally at the end of all that I asked why did you fight me so hard and you know why you know why were you not pro-parent in this regard and she says well you know if the outcome turns it's out that the child does need is a special needs case or has dyslexia or what have you. Then the school has to earmark X amount of money uh, of their budget to that endeavor, and you know the budget is very tight, and we don't want to earmark that money in areas that we don't have to. So I'm I'm surprised that she even admitted that, but that was the case. So luckily, uh, during her junior high and high school years, I did have that extra funding, and she did go to um, special classes uh, during that time to help her. So I don't know if that was a similar experience as to what you had. Was your were the classes or education that you got after the testing were they beneficial to your uh, to your boys? <laughs> Um, that is a good story, Linda. Um, your story is very common as well as mine. This happens every day in every school district that there is um, parents that have concerns about the progress of their children and realize that there's just something not right. Um, I think where a lot of the issue lies is not only in the last lack of funding, which is a huge issue for schools, is to have all of these mandates and not to have them funded. But also, there is a lack of education within our educational system about dyslexia. Uh, Teachers aren't learning about it in their teachers' colleges, and unless they've uh, come across uh, that special student, that that one special teacher um, takes that extra effort to find out more and to help 
them and, and realize that this is dyslexia. And more importantly, once they've worked with the student who has gone through some dyslexia remediation and see the changes that happen, it is a very wonderful sense for both the student and the teacher when that aha moment comes and the child is able to understand what they need to know just simply by teaching them the way that they learn. And uh, I think a lot of the the changes that still need to come about are at the teachers' colleges level, and um, as well as educating our, our public schools now to help them bring these dyslexics into the classroom and educate them with the type of learning that they need. Education is so key, and you know, during my daughter daughter's teen years, it, it seems like I would have to have a, a visit with her teachers maybe two or three times a year to say, you know, she doesn't process information the same as, you know, your other pupils, but if you give her the information in this way, my daughter turned out to be a pictorial learner. Uh, actually, there's five different ways you can learn. Um, pictorial learning is, is a good avenue to use. Also, kinetic learning. Um, and especially boys, they like to be out and about and running on the playground. Um, sometimes if you can incorporate whatever the lesson is with kinetic learning, that seems to be really successful as well. So there's a huge learning curve uh, for for uh, educators and for the parents, and uh, it's so great to have you on board with this topic. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to go over um, some of the common traits of dyslexia, and we do have um, a caller on the line as well. So we're going to catch you right back after the break. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross and call us at 951-922-3532, 951-922-3532. We're talking about dyslexia. We'll see you right back after the break. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back. Usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women 2. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross, on KMET 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today, we are talking about dyslexia, the myths, the misconceptions, the realities of this disability. And we're joined by my guest, Dr. Chelsea Johnson, who is a pediatrician and is an advocate um, on this topic. So I wanted to bring to your attention uh, the... The reason why our paths cross is because a few months ago I had on Representative Kathy Swan of Missouri, and she was on my show on 817. Um, 
Oops, sorry about that. She was on my show on 817, and I will um, post that on my Facebook fan page um, so you can listen to that show if you haven't done so already. She's one of the few politicians who really does work for its constituents. Uh, This summer, after a two-year battle, she got the shared parenting bill passed in her state, and that's why I had her on the show. Now, she has a new bill that's uh, upcoming and has been passed. It's called the Preliminary Screening of Dyslexia Bill, which requires every public school student to be screened for uh, the learning disorder starting in the 2018-19 school year. The new law also requires teachers to be trained on how to address the disability. Uh, We're going to be joined now by uh, our caller. His name is Jewel. Welcome, Jewel, to the show, and uh, tell us how you... um, fit into this, uh, how the puzzle piece fits into this equation for today's topic. Well, thanks for having me on, Linda. Well, I'm a a father of two dyslexic uh, daughters, and uh, my wife's dyslexic, and as we were going through the uh, uh, learning process uh, about dyslexia and how uh, we could best accommodate our children in the school setting, uh, we realized that our state in Missouri uh, wasn't doing very much, if anything, for dyslexic students, and I my day job, not being a parent, is being a lobbyist. So I know a few things about how to pass a bill and change the laws of the state. So I was very honored, frankly, to work with a great group of parents who had already done a great deal of work on the legislative process in Missouri to get a bill through that does start to make a difference uh, in the upcoming school year for dyslexics um, children and uh, really will be, I think, life-changing and life-altering for them. I love that. And so many people are affected by it. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services estimates that about 20% of the population is affected by dyslexia, with about 4% having severe difficulties. So this is not just some pie-in-the-sky thing that the school district is just throwing money at. This is a, a real issue that affects quite a large population of the student body. So I commend um, all of you. With, with regard to your efforts. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of amazing when you look at you know, how the nation ranks uh, internationally with uh, learning and, and educational efforts and how little our nation does with something that affects 20% of students and their, and their uh, uh, performance in the classroom. I mean, these kids all have the ability to perform at a very high level if, they're, if the teachers simply know how to teach to them. Uh, you know, 100 years ago, we weren't teaching, you know, by, you know, following along in a textbook. Or the Socratic method was the dominant method of learning. We learned by interaction and by lecture and by doing, and now it's pretty much 100% driven by textbooks, and textbooks require a high level of reading comprehension, and, and dyslexics don't don't fare as, as well in that environment. And so we've really altered our educational system to one that doesn't uh, adapt well for a dyslexic, and it's really harming those children and putting them at a huge disadvantage. And of course, our test scores are, are reflecting that, and our nation's suffering because we're denying these kids the opportunity to succeed. Uh, many of them succeed despite our best efforts to hold them back. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've got um, numerous examples of phenomenal people and everyday people doing great things, and uh, they if they can survive through the difficult challenges of an educational system that's not designed for them, they end up being really uh, great uh, parents, great uh, uh, you know entrepreneurs, great uh, leaders in our society, but it doesn't have to be that hard for them, and uh, unfortunately, some of them, it's uh, so hard for them, they, they, they struggle and, and don't do well, and, and for those, I, I really think we're failing them and not giving them that opportunity and there's really no reason not to. So I'm eager to see, you know, lots of change lives in Missouri. You know, every state uh, has tackled this in one way or another. There's only about half the states that actually have a dyslexic program. I'm not familiar with California, but even the states that I've uh, researched don't necessarily do it very well. And so we've we've got a long ways to go in our nation. Uh, and there's just millions of, of kids who are being denied the quality of education that really was a foundation of our nation. 
um, and uh, and it's really not um, not the right thing to do. We need to we need to change it. Yeah, I don't know how the two of your experiences were, but even after my daughter was uh, tested and the time was allotted and the budget was allotted, and I think she was going maybe like three or four hours per week to um, a special education class, but it was a complete uphill battle. I mean, I constantly had to remind the teachers that this is the way that she learns best, and the teachers, I guess, in her schools really weren't interested. They like to do what's easy. Most children learn in a lecture environment, and that's what they want to do. So if the student learns best with some other vehicle, they really don't care. They don't want to, like, learn something different. They don't want to have to remember that, oh, two students out of 40 learn a different way, so i got to change up my, my plan here. I mean, it's really horrible. It's, you know, the parents are the best advocate to stay in their face and to try to get them, to win them over to, um, you know, get the student to feel good about themselves and to actually learn. I remember my uh, daughter was in a history class once, and she was having a lot of difficulty uh, with this particular class, and it was on Japanese history. So I said to the, we had a parent-teacher meeting one time, and I said to the history teacher, you know, you have a globe in the class, or you have a a world map in the class, don't you? It's a history class, so I I imagine you do. Yes, of course, we have both. And so um, I said to Maddie, rather than trying to look at a textbook, my daughter's name is Maddie, rather than to look at a textbook to remember okay, this emperor with this date uh, instead, go to the area on the Japanese map and with the map or the globe, say, okay, this emperor came from this city and try to remember it on on how you viewed it on the globe and when when I did that she passed the test with flying colors because she was able to anchor her learning with a picture and that worked out great for her but you know like I said it was met with a lot of resistance and it was constant reinforcement with the teachers to um, help the students you know to get the learning that they deserved. I think you hit the nail on the head, Linda. So many dyslexic um, learn on the right side of their brain. The right side is um, so much more dominant, which is also the side that um, the pathway for our senses. So if you can do multi-sensory learning and do more than one sense to, to connect all that information, whether it's visual or tactile or kinesthetic or auditory, if you can capture that information in more than one sense, they're going to connect with it and make deeper connections and they're going to remember it so much better. Whereas most learners, their dominant side is on the left side, um, which is more logical and straightforward and their pathways um, function better for for just reading in general. So yes, if you can provide multi-sensory implementation of your teaching, they're going to they're going to take that so much deeper and run with it that they'll get that aha moment. Um, I have uh, kinetic and um, um, visual spatial learners, so we do a lot of that in our house, too. I think the screening uh, method is a great starting point, but it has to. There has to be two or three steps past that point to incorporate what they've learn from the screening process to put it into actuality to help the kids. So um, it's that's kind of the, the missing link that I saw in California. I don't know if they're bridging that gap, you know, within your state, but I think that's where a lot of help is needed as well. Um, I would well, think I mean, that... Missouri, uh, we've taken an approach that the first thing we're going to try to accomplish with the schools is to get them to identify the kids uh, to understand, you know, how large a population uh, there is of kids that need these, uh, need additional, you know, not necessarily services, but, a, you know, another methodology in, in terms of how they're, they're taught. Um, and sometimes it's some accommodations, like more time on tests and other things that are fairly simple to implement. Um, mm-hmm. And then, secondly, to make sure those accommodations that are that that are you know really quite easy to implement are done. So, um, also to start changing the you know the attitudes about the teachers. And you know, I'm I'm not down on teachers. I think you know that your teachers learn everything they've learned about 
what they're supposed to do in a classroom somewhere, and our higher education system thus far has really ignored this um, uh, ignored dyslexia, and you know it's, it's, it doesn't have to be that way. So we've got to change, you know, the way teachers are trained. We've got to start, uh, you know, we've got to start over again, if you will, from that perspective too. And um, it's it's going to be a it's it's a daunting task. I mean, I, there are lots of vested interests, and in when you talk education, um, you know, there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of um, uh, different power so- structures within the education system, and um, even parents who of dyslexics can be obstacles at times. Um, uh, I I can't tell you how. And once I knew what a you know. Once you can identify a dyslexic uh, child, and usually it's your own, uh, you start seeing other dyslexic uh, children around you. And, you know, it's, it's uh, amazing to me how many parents, um, even, you know, sort of knowing full well that their kids are dyslexic, uh, aren't ready to, gr- uh, to, to grasp that and to deal with it. So it's, we've got to change a lot of attitudes to really help uh, these children and uh, make make a, a quality investment in their education so they can benefit from it. Absolutely, and our kids are so worth it. You know, dyslexia, pe- those who have dyslexia are usually more creative and have a higher level of intelligence. When my daughter got tested, she had a super high IQ, so it's just so sad and disheartening heartening when these uh, kids feel beat up because they're not learning the same way that the other pupils are learning and you know it's sort of like uh, this big huge relief when they find something that works for them that they can learn as well uh, you know the teacher and the child benefit so it's definitely worth it um, and then children have a 50% chance of having dyslexia if one parent has it and a 100% chance if both parents have it so uh, you know it is something pre- prevalent it, it is something that needs to and I agree with you, Jewel. Uh, it's sort of a, a bonding experience when you see um, other children and other parents who are going through the same thing as you are. Um, it really makes it all seem seem worth it. That the that the initial grief is worth the the outcome in the end. If you have just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Do call us in on this topic. Our phone number is 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. Just after the break, I'm going to rattle off a few names of famous people who happen to have dyslexia. We'll see you right back after the break. You've had a long day. You just want to escape the world. And you know just the place to do it. Round up your mates and head on over to Henson Brewing Company. Burbank's first craft brewery. Quality, complexity, and always easy to drink. Follow our progress and support us on Facebook and Kickstarter. Coming winter 2016. Henson Brewing Company. Come as you are. Hi, guys. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, Real Truth About Women That'll Change Your Life Forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. 
Now back to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM, where men can be men. Welcome back. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today, we are talking about dyslexia. Let's go over the myths, the misconceptions and realities of this disability. What is it? How does it affect you or your children? And how can you work around it? I want to let you uh, uh, know a couple of people who are dyslexic, some names that you might be familiar with. Steve Jobs, Steven Spielberg, Muhammad Ali, Magic Johnson, Tom Cruise, Pablo Picasso. Uh, in fact, Pablo Picasso, um, you know, kind of became famous because of his dyslexia. It, it's reported that he failed uh, primary school because he had such a hard time reading and relating to uh, academic um, teaching of the day. And he was eventually encouraged by his father, who was an art teacher, to further develop his innate talent. So he's he, you know, backed him up and said just do what you know do what feels good and Picasso became known for his artwork that was either out of order deformed or tilted because that's the world that he saw in his head so who knew Um, another famous person is the now Caitlyn Jenner who formerly was uh, Bruce Jenner and as you know back in the 70s um, he was a decathlon winner Uh, decathlon is the sport um, in the Olympics where you have to try out with um, 10 different track and field types of sports and he had a miserable time during school years he just couldn't uh, feel accomplished in any way shape or form and then one day he ran the 100-yard dash and he felt, you know, mighty and powerful. And that's how he got into uh, track and field events. So um, he said that when he won that day, the Olympics, he was literally running for his life. He knew that uh, by winning the Olympics, this would change his life and make him feel powerful and make up for all that time that he felt so miserable as a child. So how great is that to have, um, you know, some of these uh, students turn that situation around and what seemingly could be called a disability to some, they've used that to their advantage and made the most out of it. So how great is that? All right, Dr. Johnson, I want to talk about um, if you know of any new developments with regard to dyslexia. Um, I know you were recently at a convention, and and, uh, tell us what you know. Uh, Yes, I enjoy attending the International Dyslexia Association Conference. It's held uh, annually. This year it was in Orlando, Florida. Next year, it will be in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I enjoy meeting with the experts in the field and either what's going on in research or what's going on in education, what's going on with families and how they're coping um, and trying to to bring all this together. Um, There is some um, early research coming in with animal models from uh, a researcher uh, from Chile uh, with trying to determine the exact um, mutations in the brain that uh, cause dyslexia to occur um, and still in mouse models, but to the effect that maybe there might even be a pharmacologic fix for dyslexia, if you want to call it that. Uh, that's not certainly the goal that I'm interested in, in pursuing, but it's all about the knowledge and education that we have. Uh, uh, former President uh, Obama did pass the um, funding legis- legislation f- to fund dyslexia research, at least $2.5 million a year. So we'll continue to have ongoing um, research into dyslexia. 
we do already know a lot about it. There is a hundred years worth of research, um, but the research doesn't always translate back into uh, practical use in the education system and, and even back into the medical world because Unfortunately, dyslexia does not really have a home where there is a certain group or organization that owns it and um, uh, pursues it. Uh, it is currently a medical diagnosis with an educational therapy. So until we kind of get these two big entities to spend more time connecting and partnering up, it, there's this separation with making the diagnosis and getting the education. Um, I did uh, missed a lot of really great topics that I uh, can't wait to get the recordings from the conference so that I can catch up on some of the others. But there's people all over the world doing research uh, on dyslexia from uh, the best way to remediate um, to the best screening tests and the best diagnostic tests. Um, and right now, I think the education system is now really working on trying to um, handle uh, getting dyslexics educated the way they need to be taught in the school the first time around instead of remediation and how they're setting up pilot programs to, to bring that into the school system because it's pretty labor-intensive. Um, it's usually one-on-one, -on -one, and they're trying to do it as a, in more small groups or classroom setting. And dyslexia education on you know, how dyslexias need to learn with the multi-system approach, that multi-sensory approach, works for regular or neurotypical kids as well. So if you taught everybody to read the way a dyslexia best learns to read, nobody's going to be harmed by that. Unfortunately, um, that takes a lot of renovation in our education system for teachers to know how to teach reading to dyslexics. Um, so I think that is where a bulk of um, what still needs to happen. But there's a lot of research there, and I'm, it's really promising with uh, where we're going to go next. That sounds awesome. And I understand that a lot of kids who have ADHD also benefit from the same uh, dyslexic learning techniques. Is that right? Absolutely. We know that there is a huge overlap with ADHD and dyslexia. There's a good 40% of kids with ADHD may have dyslexia and up to 60% of dyslexics that may have ADHD. There's just some common pathways in the way their brains are uh, built that they uh, have similar um, um, presentation of symptoms. And so a lot of the way they learn um, for dyslexia remediation will help um, an ADHD student as well. Awesome. We talked a moment ago about uh, most teachers, um, they teach their class in a lecture environment. Tell us what the definition of auditory processing deficit is, which is um, an affliction that a lot of dyslexic uh, students have. What is this and what, what is the new development? You were mentioning that there might be a new drug to address this. Well, uh, let me not get ahead of myself. Um, auditory processing deficit is typically what we're talking about is there's a phonemic awareness issue where kids don't quite hear um, all the sounds in words, and they may pick up uh, the beginning or the end and miss the middle or just the beginning and miss the middle and the end. They just don't hear it all. So when they're trying to learn to read, they don't understand that the word cat is really made up of three different sounds or phonemes. So it's k, a, t. Those are three different um, sounds that make up the word cat. All they hear is cat, and they're unable to break that down into smaller sound bites. Um, there is, uh, like I said, some research going on that there is a gene that helps uh, determine how neurons move in the brain from the cortical matter to the white matter and um, how this disrupts some of those auditory pathways um, and um, causes kind of like a white noise effect. So they don't actually hear as well. And with some of the research he's been doing on rat and mice models um, is promising that perhaps you can um, uh, give the rat or the mouse with one of these deficits this chemical or drug that um, calms down that white noise and actually um, makes a difference 
so that they don't act like, I guess you could call it a dyslexic rack, but based on the auditory um, processing neuronal pathway um, actually kind of makes that uh, dyslexia issue null and void. But but he uh, he also uh, makes sure to understand that he's still experimenting on mice and rats, and we have a long way to go before we take it to that next level. But it's just nice to know that there are people working from all angles uh, to improve the lives of kids with dyslexia. Awesome. All righty. If you have just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Call us on this topic of dyslexia 951-922-3532 that number is 951-922-3532 when we come back from the break we're going to talk about uh, areas i wish i would have known so jewel if you're still on the line or dr johnson if you'd like to hop in on this topic we'll talk about that right after the break Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationships, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back. Usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Darn, maybe you missed part of this show. Maybe you're still at work during the show. Maybe you heard the show but would like to listen again. Your problems are easily solved. Listen to any and all of Linda's archive shows at your convenience. The premium tune-in also allows you to record and listen at a later date. Just Google tune-in Linda Gross. That's Google tune-in Linda Gross. Subscribe now and please share with your friends. Thanks for tuning in to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMAT 1490 AM, where men can be men. Welcome back, everybody. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Show your love to the show by listening, calling in, liking our fan page, which is the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Same name as the show. That's the Facebook fan page, the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Follow me, comment, share, tell a friend, and buy my book on Amazon, Mastering Women. All right. So, uh, we're talking about right now what I wish I would have known. So, Jewel, is there something uh, in your journey with dyslexia with regard to your kids that um, was really beneficial to you that maybe you could impart to our listeners? Well, a couple of thoughts. Uh, you know, I, if you're a, a dad out there or a husband out there, I would say if you're dyslexic um, and your your spouse uh, or uh, is is not or if you're not dyslexic and your spouse is, uh, you, need to, you need to wrap your head around that you learn and communicate differently. And uh, my wife and I are coming to that realization. We've been married, uh, uh, blessed with 10 years of marriage, but we, now that we know she's dyslexic, uh, a lot of lights went off. We now understand that we process uh, information differently. We see things from a different perspective, and it's, it's helped us realize uh, how to be better communicators to one another. So. Uh, it also with your kids, I mean, if, if you're a, if you're a father of a, of a child that's dyslexic and you're, and you happen not to be or vice versa, you're going to have those same issues. And so I, I think really understanding what it means to be dyslexic if you're not, and that's, you know, what, who I am. I live with three dyslexics and trying to, 
to every day put myself in their perspective, from their perspective, the challenges that they go through, the way they uh, uh, process information, and how different that is from from me is important. And it's a con- you know it's sort of a constant thing that you need to be aware of because. Uh, it it really is very different, and so I don't know that it's you know I think we I think we view dyslexia as if it were a disability. I I don't I really view it quite opposite. I view it as a real blessing. My children are very dynamic. They're very uh, creative. Um, their dyslexia gives gives them amazing talents. Uh, it's my job as a parent to un- unleash those talents and to harness them and give them the. Uh, give them all the the leeway to use them uh, fully. So, uh, you know, I I think when people realize just how talented and wonderful these kids are, and how bright their futures can be with a little bit of help, uh, it'll really change people's perspective on dealing with dyslexia. It's almost like learning another language, isn't it? It's almost like if you were to have a, a an exchange student in your home who only speaks Japanese, you'd kind of have to find a new way to communicate with that person. So that's kind of how I look at it, that you just have to learn a couple of new tri- tricks and skills to uh, get your message across and vice versa. I think that's right. And I think, you know, and I've learned this from, from watching my the teachers of my kids respond to my kids. My kids are in second and fourth grade. My kids are so good at uh, coping with their, those challenges. My, as my, my, I think I think my teachers believe me when I tell them my kids are dyslexic, but they tell me that they can't tell they're dyslexic. So, um, you know. Oh, that's a good re- thing. Well, it is, but they they need special accommodations. They they. My daughters are very bright, but they need extra time to process. And so if you give them a math test and you give them one minute, they're going to get halfway through it, so they're going to only score 50%. If you give them as much time as they need, they're going to get 100%. And so that's a very simple accommodation that many many dyslexics need because it's the, the time to process takes them longer. It doesn't mean they, don't know how, they can't show you they know how to do math, but they need more time to do that. So... When you're in second and fourth grade, that's a lot of stress on you. If someone says, get this done, and you have to do it in one minute, why we time math tests, I don't know, but apparently that's the thing we've always done, so we do. But it's a huge disadvantage for dyslexia. It puts a huge amount of stress on kids that, we, that, that they don't need, and it certainly doesn't do anything to create an environment where we really understand how much they know. We just know how much they know in one minute. Absolutely. I I know for myself, I have a little bit of numbers dyslexia. And, you know, if it's only like a couple of numbers on a written page, it's not a big deal. But if I'm looking at a number-filled Excel spreadsheet, I purposefully might slow down 30% just to make sure I'm not making errors. So I I get it. It's, you know, certain certain tasks, you you do need more time. So, um, yeah, if you want to hear more, about the screening uh, process uh, with regard to dyslexia. I'm going to put that on my Facebook fan page, the preliminary screening of dyslexia, which just passed in Missouri. Uh, Jewel, who's our uh, caller today, he's a, an attorney and also a lobbyist, and he helped script that bill, so I'll put that on the link as well. Um, how about you, uh, Dr. Johnson? Was there anything that falls in the category of, I wish I would have known something that really helped you? Well, I agree with Jewel. Um, it has definitely changed uh, the way my husband and I relate to each other. As after our kids were diagnosed, we've decided that my husband is the dyslexic one in the family. And um, I had him read The Dyslexic Advantage by Drs. Brock and Fredette Ide, um because um, he decided after reading that book that he was dyslexic. I meet with families who are newly diagnosed, um, their, their children have been diagnosed with dyslexia, who are usually at the end of their ropes and mourning the loss of their, what they thought was a neurotypical child. And one of the first books I say that they should get is The Dyslexic Advantage, because it highlights the strengths of a dyslexic person and does not base it based on the deficits, which is how we identify it, because there is so much more to dyslexics besides an inability to read or write or spell well. 
Um, and the only thing that I wished I had known was about dyslexia sooner and that it could be diagnosed sooner because we know that you can accurately diagnose dyslexia with 92% accuracy in a five and a half year old. Um, and that's data coming out of the National Institute for Health. Um, wow. And if we can get these screenings done at that early age, you can pre-reading, you can diagnose it. Um, if we can get them started early and, and instead of remediate dyslexia, we can actually just teach them in the way that they learn right from the get-go. It'll be amazing because what we do know is that the brains of dyslexics function differently on a on an fMRI, but once they've remediated, their brain pathways are exactly the same as a neurotypical reader, and we can do that for all dyslexics and show it that we've made made that difference. Wow, those are some really great great strides. I love hearing about that. Um, I wanted to tell you about our upcoming show for next week. Uh, that's Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to be talking about how to na- navigate your rights with an unfair family court system. Uh, you'll be on with my guest, um, Dad and Act. Activist Eric Gavidia. That's Eric Gavidia. So uh, listen for that program next week for those of you who have family court system issues. Um, you'll be uh, really enlightened as to how he got through the system and made um, made the system work for him. And I know a lot of dads today are are experiencing lots of challenges in that area. So um, anyway, to uh, to wrap up, Dr. Johnson, do you have a few uh, remaining words? We have a little bit less than a minute here. Um, I think we're in a great state of uh, change for dyslexia awareness, and I think we're going to make some great things happen over the next few years. Awesome. And, Jewel, how about you? Do you have any closing remarks for our listeners? Well, if you're a parent of a dyslexic out there, uh, dad, be persistent, be loving, um, be a great advocate. Um, these kids are, are wonderful. They deserve the very best. And even if our educational system is, is letting them down, doesn't mean we have to let them down. So we just keep hanging in there, and it'll get better. And, uh, and with love and care, they'll turn out great. Love that. All right, everybody, if you've uh, just joined us, um, please do join us again and next week, same time, same place, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you next time on the Men's Advocate Show. 